1: Welcome back to the Boost Your Biology podcast. Today's special guest will dive deep into the realms of human optimization, exploring fertility, pregnancy, life optimization, and nervous system regulation, and so much more. Lucy, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
1: (laughs) Awesome. So maybe, Lucy, for my listeners and my guests and um, those that are interested in my podcast, maybe do you want to share... A little bit about who you are and what your mission and objective is.
2: Yeah, sure. So how I ended up here was, let's say, a long journey. I'm originally from France. I my background is in finance, and I came to this country. I mean, to, I'm located in the US um, by myself with one luggage and started learning marketing and work with different startups and different projects. Five six years ago, I met my husband Leo that people know as Leo and Longevity. And when I met him, I was just amazed by the amount of knowledge he had. And I told him, I like, I can turn you into a business. Like, you should share this with people. Not even in terms of business. I was like, you have too many, your knowledge is so eclectic that it must be shared with the world. Mm. So I had some experience with some clients doing social media, marketing, developing a brand. So that's how it all started. And along the way, I I was still working at the time and for a year, as you know, YouTube is... uh, Ruthless for one year. You see no results. You make no money. It's just constant posting with very little amount of progress But it worked at some point and so I stopped working my job and worked full-time with him doing some research and also editing all the videos long story short for everybody that followed a little bit uh, We ended up being separated and then he passed away a few months after almost so Life have thrown me curveball that I didn't expect. Um, the thing is, it brought me into my path of finding my own purpose. Um, I'm not a mother. We had we had a daughter together. And from having her, it just really opened my eyes of how I need to become the best version of myself. Not only because I'm the only parent I need to live long and be healthy for long, but also because she's a sponge and she just do everything that I do. And I grew up mm. with a very bad mother and i want to do the absolute opposite so i can see like if i have any bad behavior she just picks up picks it on so i'm just on a mission of sharing things that i've learned along the way i spent a lot of time researching for myself on the sake of my daughter and even with leo everything that he had learned i don't claim to have his knowledge or understanding broad understanding of biology like he does but i still learned a lot along the way and i think what differs between his approach to health and longevity and mine is I'm really into things that are easy to be applicable in your daily life. Like mm. things you can do. I mean, I'm a single mom, I work full time and I'm still able to do them. I think at this point, anybody else can do it. <laughs> so that's basically my approach to health. And I ended up here. Um, I decided to take, you know, starting creating more content about what I've learned, taking a different approach and then see where it goes.
1: Yeah, it's incredible. And for those listening in, I mean, um, many of you will know that I was a, a fan of Leo Longevity's content, you know, and the YouTube channel. And a lot of the information that, you know, Leo was talking about and sharing was very similar to what I was talking about and what I'm interested in and very passionate about. And so, you know, I, I was very interested in, in learning about his approach and, and, um, and following on with his content and, and also learning a lot from him. You know, he he taught me a lot. He's taught millions of people different things about biology, um, and you know, biohacking and self-optimization. But um, overall, I mean, Lucy, maybe do you want to sort of um, start with the fertility side of things. I mean, a fertility optimization protocol. I mean, that would have to be a, a you know a focus of yours. So maybe mm-hmm. did you want to um, sort of outline to my listeners like. What can they be doing in terms of optimizing their fertility?
2: Absolutely. Um, well, so Leo and I decided to, I mean, he wanted like 10 kids, but we decided to start with one obviously. And we came across some issues because he was doing, um, some AAS and PDs and other things in his life, trying it for the subscribers, but also trying to optimize his own life, which affected his sperm quality. So along the way, like we really went into the deep dive of how to optimize sperm quality and also ovaries quality for women in order to have a child. And in the fitness, bodybuilding community, it's an issue that arises quite often. So first thing first, it's going to have to be lifestyle. I mean, it just <laughs> never go around lifestyle. You have to start from the top and like try to remove every toxin you have. Um, often I see people even in the States, like cooking things in and putting hot food in plastic, like just those micro particles of plastic, it's just creating so much inflammation in your body, which will long-term affect your sperm quality. And when I say sperm quality, we're talking about mortality, mobility, and also like the fragment DNA that's on the sperm, which can cause many issues long-term to your child. So it's like, whatever you do as a man, three months prior, you're trying to conceive just get your health in check because this will affect your child for the rest of their lives. Um so I mean, I could talk about like many lifestyle changes you can make, but I'm sure you brought it on multiple times in your videos as well. There are many things you can do to try to avoid toxin and stress is part of it as well. Um, just to reduce your overall body inflammation and overall system. Then you have the vitamins. Go ahead. <laughs> You're about to
1: you mentioned so obviously, Lucy. We know the importance of um, you know avoiding these xenoestrogens, the plastics, the BPA. Mm-hmm. We've seen some newer research indicating that like these um, BPA's and xenoestrogens can actually accumulate in the in the in the fetus, um, absolutely, and also lead to transgenerational lowering of oxytocin in the offspring. Mm-hmm. So, um, yep. yeah, definitely an important aspect, and even like know basic things like avoiding you know putting glad wrap or or plastic wrappings over food like people just forget the basic things but they really do accumulate in the body over time and they can really saturate different tissues even in the brain um absolutely biology yeah definitely
2: you know those, like, black cookware that people use all the time? Those are the yeah. most highly toxic cookware you can have Like, wood, stainless steel. That's all you have to <laughs> That's simple. Yeah. But, I mean, I cook every day. So that's something for me. It just became natural. Same thing. We don't use a uh, plastic bottle, only use, like, stainless steel. My daughter as well, because, you know, if you can avoid it as much as possible, obviously, you won't be able to get to zero. It's that mm. it, we just have to adapt with the environment that we have.
0: But, um... From, uh...
1: What about from like a nutritional perspective? I mean, um, like, is there a certain focus on certain um, food groups? Or is it like, you know, uh, like, uh, mostly meats, animal organ meats, things like that? Like, what are you doing from a nutrition standpoint?
2: So in terms of helping fertility, you just have to have a balanced diet. But as a woman, when you are pregnant, and when I say you're pregnant, I actually advise any woman that want to get pregnant to start eating and doing things like if they were pregnant at least three months prior, at least if you're trying to conceive, you can never time your pregnancy, but um, organ meat are very important. Um, why? Because they're natural vitamin A. And like, I, I love to do this and people find it weird about this chicken liver pate. It's very common right. in France. But I do the healthy version, meaning that there's no butter in it. It seems easy to cook. You put all your ingredients at once. You blend it. It makes a mousse. It tastes good. And what you want to do is like you don't want to have too much vitamin A, even more so when you're pregnant. So you like you measure it. You take a little bit every day. And that's how you get your vitamins. I try to get as much vitamins and minerals as possible from my diet, but I know it's not possible. So I supplement also with a lot of supplements Uh, I actually ended up making a spreadsheet for my friends of all the supplements I've taken during pregnancy and all the benefits of it I made a video recently and funny enough there is this longtime follower of Leo that messaged me like hey my girlfriend's pregnant I need your help like sure I sent him all the links I have also have another spreadsheet with everything I recommend women to buy for themselves their kids the hospital because your brain gets messy when you're pregnant and he's like, my girlfriend refused to take any of the supplements. It's like the doctor never recommended anything except folate. And wow. that, that's how I have kind of felt sad because he knew, like he understands why I've been taking all those supplements and why I think it's important for everyone to do so. But many women don't. And the doctors actually don't give you any guidelines on that because they're, they know what they know and they're going on the safe side. Folic acid, of course, is the go-to because it helps um, reduce malformation. What people don't understand is that because we have so many toxins, because the soil in America, at least, productions is so overly used, the amount of mineral we have in food has decreased. Also, because of the toxin we have, the amount that we can absorb, like the more toxin we have, the less we can absorb mineral and nutrients. I'm like, it's detrimental to take all those supplements because it will affect your kid's life forever. Like If you look at the birth weight of kids over the last 10 years, it has tremendously declined. And birth weight of a child equals how healthy the child is and will be later down the line. And I'm not even talking about the cognitive side of things. I'm just talking about the overall health. So I actually ended up spending over like 30, 40 minutes with this woman and... I also understand what it means to just be pregnant and how all the hormonal changes are. So I was like being very cautious of the way I was talking to her. But I was trying to explain to her that it seems like a lot, because there are a lot of supplements. I also highlighted the ones that are the most important, but it actually is something you can do directly to affect your child's life forever. And the downside of it are none, almost to none. It's like if you have supply of, except with vitamin A, But other than that, all the other supplements are very safe. So yes, it will be time consuming. Yes, it's a bit expensive. And yes, it's annoying to take that many vitamins and supplements, especially when you're feeling nauseous. But gosh, I don't understand why people will be against this. I truly don't
1: well this is a this is a great topic because um when i studied naturopathy in school we always taught always taught to um minimize the usage of supplements during pregnancy or like to avoid many of the different ones that you would take if you weren't pregnant so obviously in terms of um you know protocols and supplements in, in particular i know that like you know iodine and folic acid and or well, the methylfolate the advanced form mm-hmm. uh, is important but like what other ones are you exploring? Are they different like um, amino acids? Are they other nutrients? Are they h- other herbs? Like what other supplements were you um looking into?
2: Well, like a lot of antioxidants. Um anything mm. that will also reduce inflammation, but like fish oil, um, we have like zinc, magnesium, I uh, honestly have over like I think fifty, but um NAC as an antioxidant. Because the other part of this, there's like I understand why people can have some concern also in the us i don't know how is it in australia but the supplement company is not regulated so a lot of time mm. you don't know really what you inject i mean ingest but there are ways to figure it out now consumerlab.com i would not say it more enough they give you the results like they tested third party i'm not affiliated with them but it's important like check what you're ordering <laughs> um and the other part of it is that whatever you're taking or ingesting Yes, you want to, and I understand when people are like, I'm not going to want to take that many things. And also psychologically, like it's hard to take that many pills. Um, As a trick, I used to do shakes, bite everything in powder and make a morning shakes that you prepare in advance. That's another trick. But it is, Mm -hmm. it is very important. Like the studies are there. It's not like just supplements that, oh, let's see this, like. Every supplement I have, all the studies are linked on that document to show that the effect that it has. And even if statistically speaking, the improvement of life quality for your kids is two to three percent for supplements. I mean it adds up. It really adds mm. up. And not only you're giving them a chance to be healthy, have a good metabolic function, but also cognitively speaking, you can increase your child's cognition. And I don't like the term IQ because it's subjective and debatable, but Basically, your you child' capability of understanding thing and processing thing, and the brain development down the line. And so, I took all those supplements. My child was about ten pound. That was enormous, but um, she's she's tall. I'm tall, so I'm not very good size of me. She's two year old and like is taller than three years old now. Um, wow. But she's, I mean, cognitively speaking, she's very advanced. Um, she understands like three languages now. Speak two. She and I, I keep supplementing for her too, not everything, but she still gets fish oil and zinc and magnesium because those are the minerals that we don't find enough in the food and are very, very important for children and their
0: development well,
1: the That's really fascinating with the um well obviously with the birth weight you said before like the the heavier the baby, it's indicative of better growth and development later on. Mm-hmm. like I understand that aspect in terms of the um, dosages for calculating dosages for your child, like how, how do you go about doing that? Is it, is it like a certain you know calculator that you're using to divide that?
2: No. So thankful. I mean, there are two things that I've done. I looked at the studies and there are a lot of studies in child and magnesium and brain development um, and also ADHD. So hmm. if you look at all the studies, kids that are diagnosed with ADHD, um, you can like, Basically, almost reduced the ADHD symptoms closer to zero after six months of magnesium supplementation. There's not one or two studies; there are like plenty of them, and that's why I still it's very confusing to me that they still prescribe Adderall for kids with ADHD. It's just you're giving your child pure amphetamine like it just that's crazy. This is insane. Um, and also fish oil, same thing. Fish oil and autism uh, disorder, you can see like an improvement in. Um, cognitive ability, speaking ability, uh, when children are being supplemented with fish oil. So you take, I I looked at those studies, there are particular case studies for kids that have ADHD or autism or any other condition. And then I try to recipe it and look at the dosage they use and start slowly. I'm always on the safe side when I do anything. And there are two brands now that are actually have Fischl. I mean, one that's actually very good the official just specifically for kids so they have the dosages on this and it's very accurate and another one same thing and they're all liquid form so it's easy i put it in the milk and that's it <laughs> she takes it and she likes it
1: well, that was, was be my um, my next point was like in terms of compliance and adherence to the actual protocol for for your child like you sort of said yeah so you're just pretty much like sprinkling it in like uh into the drinks and beverages mm-hmm. so if you can't taste yeah. As a, as a
2: baby, I would put it directly in her mouth, and she was completely fine with it. Like She's been taking it starting at the age of three months old. Um, mm. And another thing that Leo was very keen on, and I've done some, some research on it, it was the zinc. And it was he kept telling me, and I'm like, I keep saying that to people that have boys, that if you give zinc to your boy, it will make sure his growth factor will be developed, every part of their body. Nicely, like you always say, I wish my mom would have given me zinc. It's also good for for women as well. But I like to cycle the zinc because it really helps boost the immune system. And so I don't like to supplement it all the time. And I do just cycle. Like right now, we're on the zinc cycle because of the colds and (laughs) the colder weather and all the other kids being sick. But yeah, and magnesium. She had um, topical cream. So every night, I will give uh, a magnesium cream massage. Put some. uh, lotion in there and that's how that's what we've been doing
1: makes a lot of sense i mean that's a you know practical way of doing it i mean yeah compliance is going to be one thing because you know when i was in naturopathy school and in clinic you know we learned about how to actually make the the actual beverage or the drink taste nice that they can drink it but there's so many ways you can do it now there's so many ways you can make sure that the child gets the actual vitamin or nutrient into their body um so in terms of like the nutrition side, I mean, just going back to the birth weight side of things. So mm-hmm. what what actually happens if the birth weight is underweight? Does that mean that it's reflective in the, the the actual end, like the growth and development later on in life? Like what what happens if the birth is underweight?
2: Not necessarily. So we've seen many kids that are born and just in studies, but also in my friends group, kids that were born very small and very tiny and they ended up being very tall and fully developed. Um, I think there are things you can do to increase the growth factor of your child and also puberty sometimes or pre-puberty helps. The thing that really affects the birth weight, the birth weight, what really affects the most is your metabolic function. And mm. there is um, another thing that I don't, I don't think many people are aware of is that if your child is born by C-section compared to natural birth, they're going to have worse metabolic health fun- health. Than a child born vaginally. And the reason why I remember talking to my OBGYN uh, to that, and she's like, the doctors have been trying to figure out why and how. They have done many tests, see if it's a bacteria, if it's something. They cannot, they don't know why. It's just a fact that's still a medical my- history, a mystery, and they don't know how is it possible. So I remember knowing that, and I was like, I'm not going to have a C section. <laughs> and I was very close to, but ended up working out. Um, but those are like facts that you can see it's like highly correlated. Obviously it won't be everyone the same way, but you know, your metabolic function can, you know, decrease your, um, chances of becoming obese or overweight over time. Also, you know, higher metabolic function can help you prevent certain diseases. So that's something that's highly important. Your, your goal is obviously everybody's different. There's genetic that plays a part of it. Stress during pregnancy plays a part of it. Um, your environment plays a part of it, and I don't want to make anybody like pregnant or trying to get pregnant get guilty if a child is on the way. No, there are still things you can do after. But I think just sharing the information and have people aware of that fact because I didn't. I wasn't aware of that until like I ended up going through it myself and doing the research. I think like just spreading the message and also also I want to touch a base on the role of the partner during the pregnancy. It's like it's hard like as women and i know it's hard for men to understand what's going on in the woman's brain but our brain changes completely our moods behavior everything is affected so i can understand the resistance of a woman like the couple i was talking to be like i don't want to take those vitamins i want to be on the safe space i don't want to listen to you and that's i will say normal in a sense but that's the role of the partner to be supportive but also help the woman getting all the nutrients she needs, etc. So, I need well, to throw this out there.
1: <laughs> no, that's a great. It's a great point. I mean, I would also like to look at because um, uh, I know personally that I wasn't, um, I wasn't breastfed up until a certain point. And so, do you want to sort of talk about the importance of um, some of the nutrients? Because it's funny because one of the nutrients that I know that is present within breast milk is uridine. Mm-hmm. Uh, uridine. The, you know, a nootropic, which I respond, you know, really well to, and I know a lot of people feel great when they take uridine. Um, do you want to talk about the importance of being breastfed as a child?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm not a doctor. Like, I just want to keep saying that it's like, I'm just talking from experience and research. Don't listen to me if you want, like, check with your doctor every time. But uh, breastfeeding is actually very important because of the colostrum, like the first at least couple of days. Um, it has so many fats essential for the baby, but also it act- will actually boost their um, immune system, development system in order to take all the nutrients they need. And breastfeeding is actually great for a child. Um, there's this stigma in the U S that like past certain age, a child should not be breastfed. It's actually not true. Like if you look historically speaking, child kids have been breastfed up to like four or five years old, um, <laughs> like on and on. So the, for me, the longer, if I could have keep breastfeeding, I would have. Unfortunately, I just stopped producing any milk. Uh, so uh, she stopped when she was one. But there are many health benefits. And also like keeping the kids from getting sick, getting any disease, because actually the immune system, the immune response is transferred through the breast milk. So it actually will help your child not develop any disease, at least for the first year. We want to try to be careful as much as possible, because it can have long-term impact. Because the immune about- system is so <laughs>
0: new. I'm
1: curious to know a little bit about the um, the impact on the microbiome. Um, there's a few different theories around the like exposure to like dirt and worrying about hygiene for the for the child. I mean, has that sort of have you looked into into that at all? Like in terms of,
2: <laughs> I know, did a little what? bit because uh, Leo was OCD and hypochondriac, and mm-hmm. I was in the other spectrum. Like I'm not like I think she needs to build her immune system. So we had debates and uh, we were looking into it. We also have dogs and pets. So I think the first six months, that's when you have to be extremely careful. I will say the first three, extremely careful, and then six, careful. And after that, that's when you can start having them exposed um, for them to build their immune system, their microbiome, etc. cetera. Um, you have to be careful to an extent. Don't let them eat anything. But I know that because of my parenting style, I'm trying to build... Not a build, but I'm trying to guide my child to be as curious as possible and to try mm. to tell her no, or like, don't do that. Be careful as much as I can, possibly can. So it like, I try all the techniques, but like, hey, what do you think you're doing now? Do you think really you can eat this? But, you know, the five second rules works for me. <laughs> if something drops, I take it immediately. But I started really being more relaxed about what she was touching and the pathogens, like after she was one. Before one, I was still very careful because there are many things they're not able to process. Like, that's why we don't give honey to a kid until they're one year old because they have some bacteria that they cannot process in their stomach. So, we don't know the extent of bacteria that they can or cannot process. So, I thread carefully and was careful for the first year of her life. And now, like, she's two years and five months. And I'm like, go ahead, just <laughs> go explore. We're good. <laughs> she has a strong yeah. immune system.
1: <laughs> so, what about in terms of, I mean, this will be. Uh you know, somewhat controversial is like related to the birth control and different forms of um, contraception. I mean, from your, you know, research or, you know, maybe you've got friends that that have used them, things like that. Do you want to sort of elaborate on the potential consequences or the impact that can have on, you know, your overall health in general and and how that can potentially impact the, the fetus?
2: So how I impact the fetus, I wouldn't know. Um, What Mm. I can tell you is that I was put on birth control very young and I saw the impact they had on me. I also Mm. had switched birth control from when I was in France to when I was here. And I also felt a huge difference because in France, it's um, mostly estrogen dominant kind of birth control and the US is mostly progesterone dominant birth control. I I was going crazy here. I took it for like two years and I'm done. Like this is, that's it. So I I stopped being on birth control from like 22 years old, like it's been 10 years and I don't regret it. Um, there are also like two good books on female hormones that I've read and to understand how a hormonal cycle works. And after reading them, to be honest, I'm a bit against birth control, at least like hormone birth control, hormonal birth control, um, the copper and copper IUD, I think it can create some damage, but. Every woman have different cycle and different response. For me, progesterone drives me crazy. I can't deal with it. It changes my mood, my behavior. And if you look at some of the studies that are actually very interesting, and Leo made a video on it as well, was that a woman on birth control will have a different taste in men or a different approach to life and risks and things that she would do. And it's the same things that we have when we're on a different cycle. Based on our cycle, we will go and be attracted to different kind of men because we're looking for different things. If you think about the biology itself, it makes sense. Like we need to reproduce, and then like so we look for the more potent, masculine men when we're ovulating, and then on the other the other time we need security, so we look for the more stable men. So oh, keep that in mind. It's just it removes one of the phase uh, when you're on birth control. So it's, I feel like it's going against biology. Again, I know some woman needs it. I feel like now we have enough device and knowledge to kind of know when you're ovulating or not <laughs> to be careful during those times. That's just my own opinion in terms of the impact on the fetus. Uh, one can only speculate. I mean, there probably research on this, but the fact that your hormones are not in check, it could be have, you know, um, impact of how your ov- ov- ovule gets to term when you ovulate, so. Recently on the Uberman podcast, I learned something very interesting that, you know, the amount of ovule a woman is born with, it's set. So basically you, when you're born, you're born with your set of ovule and every month you're going to release some, and we don't know the amount, but I thought that for example, when they do, when you give your ovocyte to somebody, you know, they stimulate the ovule. I thought it was stimulating the amount that we will release, but no, it just stimulates the ovule that we release itself in order for them to grow. So. To, for them to get to maturity and be able to be, um, become a fetus. So I believe that if your hormonal level are not in check, like the quality of your ovule is not going to be as good. So I don't think it will impact the child, but I think it will impact your ability to have a child and to get pregnant.
1: Mm. No, it's really, really fascinating stuff. I mean, a lot of that stuff is, um, in particular, we learnt about different, um, contraceptive methods and, Yeah, pretty much in summary, I understood that none of those forms of birth control are really that safe at all. A lot of them have a lot of, you know, nasty side effects for Mm -hmm. the woman using them. Um, But overall, I think it's, um, you know, crucial we get this information out there and, you know, help help spread the word in terms of what women can do to optimize their fertility. Um, So if we sort of go back to that, you know, fertility optimization protocols, I mean, you sort of said, it's best to you know, even three months out, start preparing, um, what are some of the the other approaches and strategies you you sort of utilize? Were there any um, pharmaceutical, you know, medications or drugs that you implemented into your regime to to optimize that sort of um, expand upon that?
2: Yeah, so before, when we, we tried to get pregnant, we didn't do any tests we just tried and then we see it didn't work for a couple of months and i'm very aware of when i ovulate so that was not the issue <laughs> um so we both did things separately because we didn't know if the issue was coming from me or from him so myself I, we kept our regimen of eating healthy regular exercise um we both took um high dose of fish oil and nac i mean any and different kind of antioxidants Uh, CoQ10 for him, because it really helps improve the sperm quality as well. And then he did a round of um, FSH, which was like two or three times a week. Uh, I won't give the dosage. I'm not a doctor. Check with your doctor. (laughs) You can find the information (laughs) online. Uh, And then if you look at the fertility clinic protocol, they usually wait for, um, sorry, HCG to to have effects. And then they add uh, FSH. But he did the combination of both immediately to improve the sperm quality and... Sperm get, it takes 90 days uh, for it to regenerate and you want to have the highest quality of sperm, but also the less fragmented DNA in it as well. So three months in advance, that's what it is. And for me, I did the same thing, but I, I mean, I didn't take HCG or FSH, but I did take Clomid. I did it for two months because also I had the hopes to have twins. Uh, so I'm like, it will help. That was so bad. The side effects of Clomid were awful mentally. It really drove me. My anxiety was to the roof. I felt like I was becoming crazy. I couldn't control my thoughts. I was like, I'm being stressed. So I was like, do I want to improve my quality or do I want to not be stressed? I choose not to be stressed. And after that, we found out that it was because of his steroid use that the quality was not optimal. So we waited another three months. And then after that, it worked. And I, I went off. I was just keeping my supplementation and lifestyle. And my stress level low (laughs) and we're able to do it.
1: Yeah. It's fascinating with the, um, with the Clomid I've heard about some other, I mean, that can obviously be used in men as well for fertility enhancement in Clomiphene. Um, But yeah, I could imagine like anytime, I mean, I've personally experimented with a few different, like, you know, um, like PEDs and different supplements and hormones, things like that. I've utilized like Pregnenolone, which is a, Mm and that one there gave me the same side effects i felt like i was going a bit crazy um i don't know how i was managing my estrogen but it was it was a little bit too much and that's when i realized like these hormones if you slightly change them you will feel the impact you will feel the effects dramatically you know Uh,
2: listen i have a friend he he couldn't understand why his wife was so erratic i'm like listen i'm just gonna give you a a shot of progesterone quickly and then let's see if you can handle it for a week i don't think you can <laughs> so <laughs> this is what we're going through times hundreds and and it's tough because sometimes you it's hard to put two and two together if you don't realize what it is and so i'm like kudos to anybody that goes through ivf and changing their hormones i have a friend she's uh you know going through infertility issue but that put her into premono- premenopausal state so she has to get hormone replacement therapy And i see how much it affects her psyche on top of everything else her overall health so it's like it's Mm. you have to be very careful in terms of you know to women if your periods are not you know coming every month at the same time that means there is an issue go check your hormones hormones level it's important for so many things estrogen is you know protects your brain progesterone can drive you nuts and change your (laughs) the way you make decisions and you see life just it's better to be safe than sorry and those are easy tests to do and easy to figure it out i mean easy ish
1: (laughs) what about in terms of um i mean a really important aspect of health optimization has to be the nervous system and you know a lot of my lecturers at university used to say like always start with the nervous system and then focus on different you know different organs and different systems different body parts so maybe do you want to sort of talk about and elaborate on like you know, your healing journey in terms of nervous system. And you, I mean, you've been through an enormous amount of stress in the last year with, um, you know, many different things in your life. Um, did you want to sort of talk about from a nervous system regulation perspective, like what you have done to, you know, really recalibrate and um, restore proper nervous system functioning?
2: Yeah. Um. So let's go back even further than a year ago, when I was when I grew up, I started experiencing traumatic events in my childhood. I was six or seven, which in some way, I'm very grateful because if it was before five years old, it would have changed my whole brain structure and my whole personality. And it would have been very hard to change it. Unfortunately, that's what Leo went through. His traumatic events, he was two years old and that affected him for the rest of his life. It changes your brain structure. So If you have a child, don't traumatize them before the age of life. <laughs> At least wait. <laughs> I'm kidding. But... um. So I know I had that, and you know I grew up always being strong and determined to like prove whoever did me wrong that they were wrong. Um, and in my twenties, I'm like nothing of what happened in my life ever affected me. That's that was my mindset. I'm like I'm good, nothing is wrong. Then here comes the thirty, and everything hit me at once. I started experiencing like stress and anxiety, and before even that has like a year and a half of depression and couldn't figure out really why. And I was the kind of person that if I plan on doing something, I have plan A, B, C, D, E, up to Z until for everything that could go wrong. And I thought it was a normal way of living, by the way. I didn't realize not everybody's doing that. I'm like, this is just normal. This is just what we do. Plan things in case it it goes wrong. Um, I also had difficulties losing weight and even, even more so after I gave birth, again, I again, I like 35 pounds with my daughter and I lost about 20. And, and then after the separation happened, I gained back another 10 pounds and then was stuck there. I couldn't lose it whatsoever. And then I started looking into the nervous system. I'm like, some things, I need to rewire my brain. I need to find what's wrong. So I did many things um i started with hypnotherapy therapy then i looked into some psychedelic which actually helped me see something else uh that i didn't know was broken in my brain then um what? after that i really Wait.
1: which, which psychedelic did you experiment okay. with okay oh wow
2: so it was my second time experiencing with it um uh, i'm not doing it like The clinics do it. Uh, Mm. I'm very conservative in everything I do. So it's very low dose. (laughs) Uh, But it really, truly helped me figure out something that my brain was doing that was affecting my daily life that I was not aware of. And it it was my thoughts, like how my thoughts were toxic to my own psyche and behavior. And after that, I'm like, okay, I need to find a way to calm my nervous system. I'm always wired. And I could see that I will get frustrated with little things, especially when you have a baby and a toddler like screaming, like calling him a mama like 25 times a day. And you just like get very, fr- I, I used to get very frustrated and I had a very violent mother. So I'm like, I need to find a way to calm myself. Like I know emotional regulation, I meditate, but I was not enough. Like I can feel like I'm getting frustrated quite quickly and I need to calm everything down. So I started looking into like the nervous system how to calm it and again my lifestyle is very like i have ups and downs obviously it's very hard to stay consistent especially when you go through stressful events and at some point i'm like okay now i need to figure out what works exactly for me how can i implement it easily so i do things like i wake up in the morning i go in the sun circadian rhythm boost i go on the saddle board so it's, it's a nail board because it helps like help me control the pain but also control your nervous system there is not deep rooted science on it but it's been an ancient practice and it really helps me get into deeper meditative states and then i do like i started doing um, cold bath and cold exposure so ice bath i went for a month in mexico and all my neighbors were doing it and i was so happy so we used to get like ice deliver, and i ended up doing it more frequently because we had we had it in the in the living room and i just do it in my bathtub or i do just my face because it still helps with regulating the nervous system and side note don't do it if you are highly stressed immediately because it was it will actually trigger the stress hormones and make it worse you only doing it when you know you're already a bit calm in terms of your baseline and you just try to control the stress so when mm. you get into stressful situation, then you're able to regulate. Uh, so now, I do it like twice a, twice a week at least. So I'm trying to do like, I, if you look at the science, the optimal time for cold exposure is 11 minutes a week. Um, mm-hmm. Each session between three and six minutes. And then for hot exposure, it's about an hour. So I do two sessions of 30 minutes and then I get everything done. So I was doing that. And then I ended up looking into um, how to basically Trigger the vagus nerve, um not trigger it, but calm the ve- vagus nerve. I looked at some research of like electrical pulses going into the ear to go through the, n- the nervous system to calm it down. And then the companion, a com- I didn't even know this was a device. I actually built one with a friend of mine, <laughs> a oh, random wow. one. Like, we just—he was an electrical engineer. I was like, let's figure this out. And he had some brain issues as well. We did that and. I didn't know a company was doing it, because if you look at the science of like the vagus nerve, it was just a logic thing for us to do. The company contacted me and they're like, hey, do you want to try our device? And when I looked at it, I was like, yes, absolutely, because mine is probably not safe and not optimal. <laughs> and so I've been using this device, which sends like, small electrical pulses, so you put it on the tragus of your ear. And it sends it to the brain via the vagus nerve, which helps like calm your nervous system, but I found out like it's been giving me more energy. It's been, it boosts BDNF. But at first, like the first week or two, like I felt good and I I had the Muse when I meditate. So I also tried it with the Muse to see if my meditation were deeper. And I have the Aura Ring, so I check my HRV because I don't know if you heard, Brian Johnson is using this device to uh, see how he can improve his HRV with this. So there are studies of, many studies of how this device or electrical pulses uh can actually improve your health in different ways so i'm trying to track every little things obviously i'm a single mom with a toddler like sometimes i don't sleep well so it's hard to like see a long term so i looked at the first two weeks and i saw small improvement i i felt it but not it was not like big you see it was like a slight improvement and then i think it was like on the third week mark one day i called my friend was like I feel like I took a happy pill. I was like, I don't know what's going on. I felt so happy. So relaxed, not worried about anything. I have mental clarity. Like I've never had that. Like, is this how people live all the time?
1: Did and you see then an now increase, an, an increase in your heart rate variability as well on that yes. third week?
2: Yes. So oh. yes, but simultaneously. So what happened is like on the third week, I also did my uh, quarterly five day water fast. So. Yeah. Surprisingly, though I was looking at that, I felt I've never felt so good doing a water fast than this time. And the only thing that changed was the nursing. And I so not only the fast was easy, but like easy. Like I didn't have to struggle. Uh, but on top of that, for the usually at day four or five, I have a very hard time of working for long hours. I did like an eight-hour work. Day That's four. Crazy. Day five. My I feel like I felt like superhuman because the, when you don't have food, the mental clarity gets better, but you also get foggy because you're missing nutrients. This time I'm like, mental clarity, superpower work. Like if I've taken modafinil, like <laughs> seriously, it was crazy. Nothing could like, I just did so much work. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is very interesting. Then I end up, you know, ending my fast and I keep using the neuro Now and it's going to be a month and I really like feel amazing. Like, more confident, more clear, more energy. It's like, I wake up without an alarm, which I had a hard time doing before. It's like, things are getting better. So now my next step is I'm going to check and stop it now for a month and see how long the result lasts. And I'm actually going to give the device to a friend of mine that's struggling with high anxiety and depression and see how it affects her. Because I was not, I was a bit anxious, but not too bad. And her case is bad, so. <laughs> and she doesn't. She takes some supplements and vitamins, but she doesn't have the best lifestyle because of her work. So I'm gonna see and test it out with her. I'm very curious because there are some studies on, you know, the impact. But it's still, in, it's in, in infancy. They have done studies on like the effect of uh, chronic fatigue from long COVID, um, yeah. for people with other disease. I mean, it, it's actually incredible, but i it's it's funny how i didn't realize my nervous system was affecting me so much before and i feel like it's just light bulb (laughs) why didn't i do this before i don't know
1: it's incredible i mean the um the vagus nerve i mean that's definitely you know a crucial element to regulating the nervous system and you know you've learned that by stimulating the vagus nerve you've seen an improvement in your parasympathetic tone And Mm -hmm. the implications from that, like it has had a dramatic effect across all elements of your life, like your energy, your stress tolerance, your sleep, your mood, which I find, I think the mood aspect is really phenomenal. Like it just goes to show that if you're stuck in a sympathetic state all the time, then you really just can't relax and be in a pleasant mood. Mm -hmm. And it actually just makes me um, sort of realize like, I've always had a really high HRV score. My HRV's always been around 120 to 130. Oh, um, wow. and I, I would say that's from like, um, you know, being very aerobically fit from playing soccer when I was younger. Um, but I, I just thought, like sort of imagine like when I look at people who have a HRV around 20 to 30, like I can't imagine how stressed, like it would feel yeah. how stressful life would be in that state.
2: Oh, Absolutely. And, also, it's like the way you handle stress after. So when I realized how, like, the impact of neurocemic, like, it was it was insane because my daughter was having a tantrum in the back. Hmm. And I, that night she didn't sleep, so I had four or five hours of sleep, which I get very grumpy when I don't sleep. And usually after the tantrum, like, I'll try to stay calm, try to relax, try to talk to her, and at some point I'll be like, okay, stop, that's it. Like, we're done. Hmm. And this time I'm like stay calm and just waited it out and i didn't have to control myself or i didn't have any you know usually i will have this anger inside of me that i'm like okay i need to calm down i need to like regulate my i didn't have to do that i was naturally calm and other stressful moments happened in my life and it i get much calmer even like recording like i have a fear of public speaking being in front of the camera was i i used to panic and like basically lose my English. Forget it. <laughs> I couldn't speak properly. And now the more I'm, I've been using it, the more comfortable I am. And I don't have all this stress, like events, like my hands are okay. I'm not shaking. I'm not sweating. So like, it's great because I'm learning. And I, it's also a positive feedback loop that you do with your nervous system and with your brain. It's like It's only going to improve I mean, I don't see why not. I'm just, i I'm just curious to see when I stop it, if I'm able to keep going in that direction, or uh, if it actually stops. So we'll see.
1: Did you, you did you leverage or utilize any other nervous system supplements? I mean, I'd, I'd imagine your your routine. You've got quite a lot of different, you know, um, therapies as well alongside it. Or um, could you attribute some of the um, the benefits to any other like anxiolytic and amino acids. I know you've spoken about taurine as well and glycine. Have there been other elements that you, that might have contributed to the benefits?
2: No, because I purposely didn't change anything to my routine when I added it because I wanted to keep track. So I like to journal and take notes of different changes and things that I do. And I've been taking the same supplements. And sometimes, you know, I add glycine and taurine and uprazine whenever I feel like stressed and stuff. But on this particular moment like when i received it i'm like no i'm just not going to change anything else or i wouldn't be able to calibrate and measure fully the effect of it or not because i'm very skeptical when i see new things like this is just a company trying to sell an expensive device like that's that's how i get into things i have another company recently sending me something else i'm like this is this is ridiculous i can this is no. but so i always try to be as like unbiased as possible and taking notes and honestly i have I was looking, I was also like, oh, another thing I did, I quit caffeine, um, uh-huh. because for me, caffeine, I love my cup of coffee in the morning and I switched to decaf because I know it like triggers uh, my sympathetic nervous system and it just didn't help because I take it in the morning. I know you're supposed to delay it, but I can't, so I find other ways. <laughs> and so I quit caffeine and then started nursing at the same time. So I think both combined really help. but that's that's the only thing I have changed in my routine whatsoever.
1: Was there a um, transient period of like caffeine withdrawal? Did you go through that at all during that? So
2: wow. it's the third time I quit caffeine. So now I got it down, look, I decrease it slowly. So I basically like, I, I have to like espresso in the morning. And so I slowly reduce this to one espresso, one decaf, and then reduce the dose and then switch to two decaf. And I didn't get any caffeine headache or anything like that, thankfully. Wow. Oh,
1: that's incredible. Um, in terms of I guess with the um, so obviously the wearable technology has been a game changer for you the the neuro sim um, utilizing the aura ring and I guess like one part of like biohacking in general is being able to take control of your biology and your physiology um, and you sort of mentioned the element of like tracking and monitoring and recording I mean this is something that I'm you know also a very big fan of is like You have to track what can what can be measured gets managed is the is the same so um in terms of your own tracking and monitoring and and logging your responses to things are you just doing it in your iphone notes app or do you have like evernote or what do you use to track things
2: so i so i have the the ring and the rest is like i take notes because i find it more efficient to write i love to write I have already well, tons of notes, physically writing, hand yeah, hand yeah, handwriting. I have it also on the iPad. And for some reason I still love handwriting more than anything else. So I have a book and every night I put down like how I felt, if I did anything new, etc. so then I can go back and track. It's not the most efficient way, especially when then you want to convert it to a document, but that's fine. I, I feel like it, it helps me have a better view of things somehow. And in terms of tracking, there is one thing I realize is the addiction of tracking. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if you experience yeah. that too. It's like yeah. sometimes I'll be like looking, I'm like, did I do my steps? Did I do my exercise today? Let me check my oratory. And I caught myself doing this like recently. And I'm like, I really, I'm reading a book about dopamine right now. And uh, now I'm like, oh, I need to stop doing those things that triggers my dopamine so much because even if it's for my health like the brain can find a thousand excuses to do something but at least delaying it so now i'm only i put my aura ring on the airplane mode and i plug it in once a day it's so like that also i don't have the emf on my finger all the time and i just check the data once a day and that's it so now that's been mm-hmm. my routine but i i love data you know it's just i think I work in marketing. That's all I do is like creating things and then looking at the data. Did this work? Did this didn't work? We wouldn't be able to do anything. It's just having overly too much data sometimes can be bad also. But I don't know. Right now, I'm just uh, sending everything to Viome. I don't know if you know, I'm checking my DNA age. Yeah. I'm checking my cellular age. I'm checking everything, my guts. And I'm actually very interesting to see because I'm going to start a new protocol for like three months. Mm. And I want to see like the before and after, and see how really impacted and how much it impacted. So in that case, having data is very useful. It's just I wish, no, I wish, but sometimes I get a bit too obsessive with the data.
1: Oh yeah, no, I definitely, (laughs) definitely agree that. I mean, it's a it's a fine balance between like you know spending time looking at that data versus just being like, all right, it's all good. I can detach from it. Like I can live my life i mean i I, when i went to naturopathy school like we i mean i was pretty much surrounded by other like hypochondriacs everyone's like hyper focused on their health and then i i think it was like third or fourth year of my studies i was like you know what i'm gonna fully detach from this completely and remove myself and learn how to just enjoy life and just go with the flow a bit more and just enjoy you know being present not so hyper fixated on my health and things like that and then that's when my health actually improved was when I, mm-hmm. when I pulled away a little bit like okay it's just too far and then everything else fell into place but um what about in terms of i mean you sort of mentioned there with the with the genetics side of things and, and personalization of health i mean i would fully agree that the the future of medicine is really about hyper personalized protocols based upon your genetic data so Curious to know like, what you've been exploring in, in, in this realm of um, you know, genetics and personalization.
2: So I actually just had a very good and uh, very interesting experience this summer. So Leo used to do a personalized genetic analysis to people and give them recommendation. Um, he was doing it manually, and I ended up working for like two years on the program, gra- grabbing all the data, all the results, and putting in the program. <laughs> can't publicize it because legally I'm not allowed to because you can't give people advice based on their DNA unless you have the approved. If 23andMe is not doing it, there's a reason. So I can't do it, at least in the US. So I'm looking to see if I can do it in other countries. That's something I'm exploring. But So your DNA can teach you a lot about yourself and how you respond. I really like it. So right now I have the program just for myself, basically. It's up and running, but I check my DNA in terms of my brain and my daughter's as well. To the raw data from 23andMe and really really shows that how different receptors in your brain works like how your dopamine serotonin anything that if you have good production of it or you're because this is highly influenced by your genetic code so for mm-hmm. example for my daughter i know that unfortunately she has one of the most like the most addiction genes I've ever seen in anyone. I've looked at their DNA. So it's like, this is impressive. So I know I have something to do for it. Like I'm aware that she's prone to addictive behavior. So I need to watch out for this and also teaching her emotional regulation. So she doesn't use any substance to regulate herself that she could get addicted to. So I think it's good to have an understanding of your genetic code and what you're prone to. So you can make decisions based on that. However, you don't make all your decisions based on that. Um, Let me give you an example. Uh, So this summer I was offered uh, a job as a CEO of a genetic analysis company that analyzes your uh, genetics and send you personalized supplements. So for the first month, I I was like, I need to do my research. I need to look into your product. They 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 were a fully launched company. So I get into the details of it and I went back to the person that hired me and I'm like, listen, I can't be CEO of this because your product is not, it's not accurate. It's not working. It's just it, you missing so much data of a person to be able to give them a recommendation. Like you don't have a questionnaire based on their life. You don't have their blood test. You don't have like, there are many things you're missing. I was like, this is not something I believe in. I can't, I can't do this unless you want to change. And they wanted to do something different. So I'm like, I'm, I'm out. I can't do this. So I think you have to be careful in terms of all those companies giving you highly advice on what you should eat, what not. I know I did, for example, look into what I should be eating or not based on my DNA. And funny enough, some of it were related to where I grew up. For example, in France, we eat a lot of cheese and bread, but I'm still supposed to be lactose intolerant as an adult. And I have seen and I know that when I go to France, eat as much cheese as I want. I have no issue when I do it. The same here in the US, I have a lot of health issue. So it's like you have to also take in consideration the broader aspect of it and not just follow what your DNA says whatsoever. Also, it's genetic markers have different influence based on your lifestyle, environment, stress. And then you also have the epigenetics that comes into play. So you have to take everything with a grain of salt. I think it's good data, but that's not the only data you should rely on and have a broader understanding of, I mean, you know who you are as a person, you know, what kind of lifestyle you lead, you can get blood tests to know where you are in life and then take DNA as another data point and then make adjustments in your daily life to just optimize it. Like you said earlier is that sometimes we focus too much. I mean, the biohacking community, and I don't like the term biohacking because to me, that means they're trying to get shortcuts to do something. And oftentimes they do. Oftentimes they want medication to solve their problem, but don't want to do the work or don't want to wait. So I prefer the term life optimization. <laughs> and, mm. and the biohacker, they love to give like, oh, you should do those 35 things a day. And I'm like, it's not realistic. We cannot, we don't have all the time in the world. Like not everybody has the time to do things. So that's really something I'm passionate about is like really telling people and showing them the way I'm doing it that, just take was optimizing it the most and try to avoid the things that are bad for you the most. Obviously everything is about balance. You're not gonna just not I don't like to eat out, but once in a while I'll go out and eat because I know the restaurant what they put in the food and want that. But you know, it's again, it's all about balance. It's not you're trying to live, you're not trying to be like Brian Johnson because we can't, we don't have his time and his money. But you wanna try still to do everything you can to live longer and healthy.
1: Yeah, I mean I can totally totally resonate with that. I mean there's like a, you know, fine balance between going too extreme with your approach versus like more of a conservative or, you know, being being um being kind and nice to yourself, like not being mm-hmm. hyper strict on one certain parameter but being actually are you able to break your routine and still be okay? Like if you if you have a big break to your routine and you can't cope, then I think that's like a hyper addictive state where you're just like yeah. constantly on that perfectionism.
2: No, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I remember seeing Leo's client, some of the protocol was sending them and I'm like, do you really think they're going to do this? Like you ask them to take a shake that have 35 ingredients in them every morning. It's like who who has the? I mean, unless you're like very rich and you have a chef and you have this and you have that. And that was just the morning shake. I'm not talking about all the other all supplements and everything else that you need to do. So it's like i i understand like we want to optimize like we want to biohack our life to be better and for me what the most important is how can i do everything so i reduce the chances of diseases i can get and the other thing is i want to be as cognitively performant as possible because there are many things i want to learn in life and do and if i have my brain i know i can do it and I know I, I d- didn't mess it up, but stress and my nervous system being on fight or flight for so long really like reduced my capabilities. So now I'm just on the journey of getting back there. But I think again, you cannot. There is no magic pills. You shouldn't. You know.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, that's the that's the reason why I decided to not become a pharmacist like my dad. My my, my dad's a pharmacist, you know, chemist. Um but instead chose the route of, you know, becoming a naturopath because we're more holistic and we factor in, you know, the underlying root cause. And we, we look at the biggest levers and the different um, influences on our health. And it's all about doing the, it's like the, the 80, 80, 20 rule where you're focusing on 20% of the, you know, things you should do for 80% of the results. And so mm-hmm. yeah, definitely agree with that approach and that, um, that mindset. And I know that, you know, in this, the biohacking space, you know, you can go to the real extreme, which is like Brian Johnson with like hyper fixating on every single little element of health, which I personally think is not, in my opinion, I don't think that is like healthy, because it's way too extreme. It needs to be like, a few notches down from that, where you're, it's sustainable. No, it has to be sustainable. If it's not sustainable. And you know, if you can, if you can't commit to it for 2030 years, then I don't think it's, useful. So you definitely raised a, you know, really important point there.
2: I mean, I think Brian Johnson is doing something good for the community in terms of like, he's trying everything and publishing all the results, which I think are great because, you know, only one time, I mean, one person with that amount of money can do that. I know he's working on the woman version of it, the XX blueprint, but I'm very <laughs> against who we choose because he chose a young woman. And I don't think it's gonna, I think it's gonna mess up the data in many ways. And mm. hopefully, it takes in consideration the hormonal cycle and changes in a woman, but we'll see i think I think he's interesting to like look at and see what works and what doesn't, and also getting confirmation of things that I don't know have been i've been doing for example, and you look and you're like, oh, actually it's if you look at I don't have the time or the budget to go and get blood tests every month of everything <laughs> I would like to measure, <laughs> I should go to Mexico to do that, but it's yeah. uh. You know, at least you can see it in him, and you're like, okay, makes sense. All right, I think it, if it works for him, it sure doesn't seem for me.
1: <laughs> well, it could be actually a a good um, way to frame your content in the future. Is like actually with the the experiments that he's doing with this um, this younger woman. I can't remember her name, but she's like maybe not representative of the the entire population, but maybe <clears throat> could be great for you to maybe critique some things or elements within his within the protocols, uh, maybe come up with, with your own version in yeah, that. So that, that's simple. what I'm
2: doing. So I, I came up with my own version of protocol, but I'm talking about I'm doing the xx blueprint for single moms. So it's like nobody that somebody that has low energy, no time, not much money, like, how do we do this? <laughs> and that's so cool. that's why it took like, I got all my blood tests, everything down. And now I'm gonna start applying it next week. And just see in three months, what are the results and do another blood test and things like that. But things are really realistic. And what I did is that I knew what I needed to change, but I used to have the tendency of wanting to change everything at once. It was like, oh, tomorrow I'm going to work out at 6 AM and do this and do that. And I'm like, I, it was never sustainable. So I've been making those changes slowly over time. And I only have like two more to implement until next week. So that i can really build habits and get it into my brain and that's why also reducing my nervous system really helped because it I, for some reason it's been easier to form habits and stick with them so wow. we'll see how uh so i got like all oh my data i should get the blood test and everything else like probably in a week or two and then i'll do it again in 90 days and see where how it worked
1: <laughs> awesome awesome well i'm looking forward to seeing those um results and i'm sure my my audience and listeners will be too. So um, that pretty much wraps up today's podcast. Lucy, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. And if my listeners want to connect with you or learn more about yourself or your content, you know, where can they, where can they find you?
2: Well, they're still on the YouTube channel, Leo on Longevity. I'm creating a brand new website where there's going to be more structured information. And so everything will be separate with Literal protocols that people will be able to take a look at and learn more from. Right now, I'm just on the YouTube, and I'm also on on TikTok, but the links are on the channels as well.
1: Awesome. Well, I'll make sure to leave those linked in the show notes. But um, otherwise, Lucy, it was a pleasure chatting. I look forward to to being in touch in the future.
2: Well, thank you so much Lucas. I really appreciate you having me on. And then next time you'll come on uh, my, I'm the one asking you questions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay.